0: You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. There we are. We're uh, we're live and back with another edition of the Claret and Blue podcast. I'm James Griffin, joined again by uh, John Townley and uh, Pat Rowe, PGR Underscore Analytics. I have said those right. I didn't even say my own last name, right? But how
1: you doing,
2: James? <laughs> I'm, I'm good, James. I'm good.
1: To run the high of the weekend it was fantastic. Win the uh, under 23s put a bit of a damper on it last night after blowing a three one lead to Blues, but you know. What can you do? Well, I think, you know what, let's get into that first. We don't actually
0: speak uh, about the under-23s a lot on the podcast. We're only here until about half 12. So um, we've already spoke about um, the Leicester City match on the podcast. We're going to have a deeper dive about that. But Pat, I wanted to know about the uh, the under-23s. It was a yeah, tough game last night, but the, it's a bit of a... Uh, a baron under the 23s team, isn't it? Because you've got a few of them actually called up. Jacob Ramsey's not playing for them anymore. Senior member of the team. you team. had a few injuries. And of course, Carney Chukomeka, now involved with the, the first team at Aston Villa. So what happened last night against the Blues?
1: Yeah, it was, it was a depleted squad, I think. No Aaron Ramsey, no Cameron Archer, no, no, no Carney. I think Caleb and Davis were up top. Thorndyke was involved, in was I don't know how to say his name, I'm, I've probably butchered that there, but he was involved even though he was on the bench for uh, Gerard, and you can see why he's on the bench for Gerard. to be honest, he dictates the plays, strong in midfield, reads the game really well, he's good on the ball, but yeah, frantic start, I think Blue's got the better of the first 10 minutes, then Trezeguet came into it, Trezeguet's return, forgot to mention that, he looked really bright, You know, driving at the defence, quick passes, one-touch play, slotted away his penalty pretty uh, emphatically as well. Davis was bullying the opposition the whole time Uh, Caleb Chukomeka was a big part of that as well I feel like they played well together up top but when he went off and Trezeguet went off in the second half all the momentum went with it and we just collapsed. happens doesn't it it happens in football even more so in our under 23s football I feel like since I've been
0: watching it it can be very up and down and Villa have got an excellent academy much has been made of that but I think even in the past years when you had you know your Rashawn Hepburn Murphys and your Callum O'Hare's and a lot was made of that John what have you made of the under 23s this year
2: yeah, it's interesting. I think as, as Pat says, you know, especially if you go back to last year too, I think you've got the likes of Kane Kessler and Louis Barry. We forget that we've got four or five, six players out on loan that won the FA Youth Cup. So you look at the, the kind of bulk squad that we have now with the 23s, you know, some really good talent in there. And obviously, as you say, some of them are in now in the first team. But a lot of them are out on loan too, which is really exciting. So there's a it's pretty crazy how the academy has, you know, almost taken shape in the last few years, but those players have been at the club since, you know, years before then too. So it's it's really, it's almost like a really good blend that we're now investing loads in the academy. Plus you've got existing players there that were already there, you know, coming through now, and, you know, getting experience in the uh, lower leagues um, and getting, you know, men's football, should we say. Um, so now, yeah, really exciting. It's, it's interesting to see how those players as well come back to Bodemore Heath, and when Gerard gets to look at the likes of Kesler and Louis Barry, Brad Young, different lads, um, all different capabilities as well. So, no, yeah, uh, really exciting. Quite ironic how the uh, success
0: in terms of league results of the academy has been harmed by how well it's doing, and how they've <laughs> these stars have went on to play for uh, you know Louis Barry is on loan. You got your Finners who joined, who's on loan. Number of others, Kane Kesler, Hayden, as you said, and then of course Carney, Jacob Ramsey, and others kicking on into that first team. So, so, you know, the, the, the fruits are there for us all to see. Um, but, Pat, let's get on to uh, Villa versus Leicester. There's a lot to talk about in this match. Um, I think first things first, let's go over some Casper Michael I think we haven't kind of got enough of uh, the Casper Michael incident. Myself uh, and John were at the game, but you had the advantage of actually seeing the pictures, uh, the, the kind of reaction as it unfolded. Um, on match day, uh, foul or not a foul, I think it's still that the rules are still very unclear. Um, the rules are long, yeah. I think a lot of it was made of the punctuation of the rules on a match of the day, too. Um, but yeah, uh, everyone in the stadium absolutely infuriated by the Leicester fans and Cash, Michael, and Leicester City, Brendan yeah. Rodgers, and all this stuff. Everyone was infuriated, mate.
1: Yeah, it was one of those like the first goal, it's one of the first one I, I just didn't celebrate as much because I thought there's not a chance. That, like is not offside there or whatever and then the commentators were diving deep into it but there was a player playing them on clearly and then that second goal went in with Ramsey and there was, I literally lost my head like in my living room I was like oh that's a goal, there's no chance they're going to disallow that, surely not saw the replays and they were talking about it and I was still baffled as to how they can re- replay it that much Then they go to the screen don't they and he looks at it and I, was, I don't see how he comes to that conclusion and Then obviously Casper Schmeichel gives his interview about his thumb that got hurt but there was no impact on his thumb whatsoever. There was clear distance. I think the rule was that if the keeper makes the save and then has control of the ball, like in that manner it doesn't account in the same way as having control of the ball, but I'm not sure. It's very technical and there's like different rules flying around. Ultimately, it didn't cost us, but if that had cost us, I would have been fuming. It would have been up there with... a. Uh, the Kevin Friend incident at Crystal Palace, I think. (laughs) John, we can't get much
0: into the uh, actual chant, but um, I think the best thing that could have happened in that match in terms of the outcome and the far-in Villa's bellies was the disallowed goal because there there was an
2: atmosphere there, wasn't there? (laughs) Yeah, no, I think you're probably right. I think that, that obviously the crowd got behind him as soon as that goal was disallowed. and I think it was mainly because everyone was you know, completely, um, you know, said them founded about why it wasn't a goal at Villa Park, the connection isn't too good, so you can't really just flick on your 4G and search the Premier League rules. Um, <laughs> so not many people knew uh, why it was this loud and it was so obvious that you only had one hand on it, but as, as Pat says, those are the rules. Um Whether you like them or not, the, you know, I, I struggle to believe why he'd have control of it if his hand's just on the ball. Um, it's not really controlling, is it? But, Hey oh there there you go and no I think you're right I think the Villa Park crowd got behind them as soon as that goal was disallowed especially because it was Ram- maybe not especially because it was Ramsey but like the raw emotion that came from that goal it all sort of you know built up and everyone was just really surprised when it wasn't given straight away pretty much um, but to be fair that was straight on half time and I think the players um, you know you can feed off the crowd but credit to the players that come out after half time they could have been you know tails between the legs sort of thing um, but no they fed off the crowd really well um, and yeah, got a, another really important win, and we could have won by more goals, and then couldn't we? Obviously, Conte gets his goal, but you got so many chances there for Watkins and Ramsey again um, in the second half. It probably it was a four-one game, wasn't it? Really, not a two-one. Yeah, we had the ball in the back of the net twice, and it got called
0: back, didn't it? Uh, I think McGinn's was a bit dodgy, but Watkins certainly had it. I yeah. think in these situations, it's almost like you, you know you you have your authorities there to protect them. Leicester needed that uh, needed that protection completely because Villa Villa are all over them, and I mean, I mean the, the first half was pretty. Hit and miss but that second half they were just on fire and uh yeah. thankfully there was a referee there to stop it getting out of control if you if you speaking from a leicester city fan bias because villa you know running running absolute wild and i think we've seen a big difference in how this team plays under Dean Smith, to under St- under Stephen Gerald, there's certainly probably an aspect of a new manager bounce, but it looks like they're pretty much on top of it. And uh, you know, it's, we, we could have gotten more goals. And you know, the xG Pat doesn't tell the full story mm. because of how. Look at the two chances we had ruled out. The chances where there was a kick, The chances where I think Bentea was sliding in after creating the move where he didn't connect mm. at all. Those don't count. And the xG was already pretty impressive, Pat. But when you you consider the amount of chances Villa made and didn't click, or it was pulled back because of an incident. When John says four one, he's he's pretty much bang on, isn't it?
1: In terms of the XG, uh, it did only it was only two XG, but in, in terms of Villa this season, that's actually a massive improvement. It's the first time this season we've got over one point five. So Gerard's already kind of made that improvement. You pr- you probably seeing in the uh, bit more of attacking play now. And I always thought it was going to be this game. To be honest, like you looked at the fixtures, like City, we did well. Like you're always going to have to grind out a result there, but. I thought that this game might be the one that we see that attacking style of football from Gerrard's team, and I, I thought that was the case. To be honest, I think Ollie Watkins had his most shot creating actions of the game as uh, the season as well. Seven, which is a high. I think only McGinn might have made that many. But yeah, it was one, It felt like um, I don't know if you remember the Boxing Day, Chris not the, was yeah. it Boxing Day against Palace. Yes, yes, Watkins was just destined not to score, even though he was like one <laughs> of the lively players on the pitch. It just felt like one of those games I like, just wasn't going to fall for him, but. It's promising that he's becoming that, uh, doing everything you can ask of him and more, to be honest. For Gerard, he's really thriving. And you know, I feel like it might not have been his day against uh, Leicester, but on another day, he'll get two or three on a game like that.
0: Yeah, I think, again, it goes to show you kind of the, the credential that Aston Villa have because the whole conversation prior to Stephen Gerrard arriving was Villa couldn't win without this player. Now it's like Villa can only win. Now we've about this player; they have turned turned the corner. John, what is what is the main thing that you've seen under Gerard in these matches so
2: far, um that has changed after Dean Smith's departure? In general, we're more compact. I think defending. Um, there's more energy. I think about this. Is more willing to win second balls to get in behind defences to carry out Gerard's game plan. I'm not, you know, I'm, we're not privy to what Gerard's telling them um, about him or Heath, but we're also not privy to how he's motivating the team as well. If that makes sense because um, yeah. to me, it just feels like we're more that is how Stephen Gerard wants to play. It's obviously not to a final two at the moment. So none of those players are his, te- uh, technically speaking. Um, and we don't know exactly how he wants to play, but you can tell that what the players are doing on the pitch, they're almost mimicking exactly what Gerrard would be doing with them um, on the training pitches at Bodymore. And I think Gerard said... Um, the, the thing that's surprised him most is that the players have taken on everything that he's asked them to do so far um, and their applications being second to none. And I think it's it was a difficult one when Smith left because you'd have thought at least some of the players would be um, disheartened. And I think they probably were very disheartened. And then when a new manager comes in, there was always a bit of a risk that they would be, um, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not too sure, but I don't know, maybe disheartened that Smith left and that the new manager bounce wouldn't potentially be there, but Gerald's just got him playing. Um, and obviously his coaching staff too is, you know, tactically speaking. Mm. Uh, Michael Bill's the one that's been setting the team up. I, I presume with input of Gerald, of course. Um, but just how quickly they've taken on Gerard's um, you know, demands, that's what's impressed me the most. Um and yeah, we're more compact, we're more we're more lively in the middle of the pitch. We're moving the ball quicker. Um and we have just got more tenacity about this is, you know, I wouldn't have thought going into a game against Leicester City, even though they're in, you know, a bit of sticky uh, sticky form themselves, I wouldn't think they would be winning that game, but I think, you know, a lot of us were predicting that if, if we can get a couple of goals, we'll win that game. So, yeah, it's it's all positive. Um, three out of four wins so far, only losing to City, and we probably should have got at least a draw out of that game as well. So, you know, coming in the season, I can see us being around that mid-table position and what more could you want considering, you know, how bad we were during that five-game run only, you know, the start of last month. So
0: I've, I've interrupted, you'll be delighted everyone to know, I've interrupted my reading of Russian history to study up on um, Stephen Gerrard. <laughs> And um, one thing that stood out was, I think some comments were made about Dean Smith and, you know, probably the too much of the arm around the shoulder. One thing that stood out about Stephen Gerrard was this kind of anxiety that seems to drive him like he doesn't want to fail. And let people down, and obviously there was a major incident in his career where he did let people down. It's become a bit of a meme. It's obviously the stuff that's chanted that I'm about to slip. But overall, in his career, at these peak moments, it always seems to go back to the moment he didn't want to let anyone down, and there's that intensity about him, kind of brought on by the anxiety, the need for success, and and, and that's backed by you know I don't want to let fans down. I don't want to let the people who employ me down. I don't want to let myself or my family down. I don't want to let any, anyone in the local area down. He, he's backed massively, massively by that. So I feel like. Pat, when they say about the standards, improving at Aston Villa, do you think that's backed by Gerard's personality?
1: What you just said is completely outlined in how we've been playing recently. It's, I don't know about you or you two, what you think, but I feel like we keep starting quite slowly, Like especially against City. I thought we were really frantic. I thought we were unorganised. And I thought we were getting battered at times in the first half against Leicester. To be honest, I think Cash was, uh, Harvey Barnes was causing problems. He grabbed his goal. I think we started quite slowly. We didn't really have control of the game until like the back end of the first half and i think the way we come out of the second half and react in these games under gerard just outlines what you said like he's going to he, to the to like the nth percentage or whatever he just doesn't want to fail at all like he's not going to let his side fail he like has to he analyzes the games he sees the problems and he addresses them immediately and he probably digs into the players while doing so i think he said uh, was it the City game he gave a few players some home truths and it probably rolled them up a bit and there was a reaction at halftime. that's what you need especially so if Villa can address this issue of coming out a bit slow in these games not fall behind like I know we came from behind there and that's big and it shows the mentality but that's probably the next thing he wants to address is a slow start Do you think Gerard's personality has stood out
0: um, John then? against City, against Leicester, I feel like in the latter two, you know, since Palace, I think Brighton was a bit of a gimme the first game. But since, you know, in the, in the three games that have followed, do you feel like it's Gerard's personality that's standing out as well as kind of the tactical knowledge brought by himself, Michael
2: Beale and the stuff? Yeah, I think exactly that. What what impressed me when Gerrard first came in, and, you know, and everything that we've heard from Gerrard in the past too, he, he always references to Michael Beale and says he's one of the best coaches that um, I could work with. And he was never afraid to admit that he's not the perfect, you know, Manager, should we say that you know the kind of full package yet? Um, Gerard, which I think was refreshing because he it was, it was honest, um, and he knows where his strengths are, but he knows also where his weaknesses might be. And I think, um, Michael Beale said as well, he's the, he's the kind of coach who wants to be in and amongst the group. Um, whereas Gerard was the kind of person who wants to step away from the group and look at it from a whole perspective, and that's really important because you've got someone there that the players can turn to for a motivation. And you know, obviously, that's only um, scratching the surface on what Gerard brings to it, but um. And then Michael Bills, was a tactical side, and obviously you have got McAllister and uh, Kershaw. you know, um, there's different elements to that coaching staff too. But I, know, I, I think the personality really stands out, and especially when you need that instant impact, that instant sort of effect. Um, and we can't forget was four really tricky games as well: Brighton Palace, Man City, and uh, Leicester. You know, two teams that we've almost stopped in Palace and Brighton because they started really well. Man City being, you know, probably the Champions League finalists this season. And obviously, Leicester too have been knocking on the in the Champions League for the last, you know, however long. Um, so, really encouraging. And I think exactly that. I think the personality that he brings to it is, um, yeah, really good, for, especially for the players, because we have quite a young squad as well. And to have, it's not just a good motivator or a good, you know, effective um, speaker or leader. It's Stephen Gerrard, and that's someone that the whole um, group, the whole squad will look up to. Um, and whatever demands he sets on the teams, you know, on the team, sorry, you know, you'd be. Um, you want to carry that out, don't you? Because you know you're going to get it in your neck um, at half time. And I think that's exactly what probably looks often To be fair, because I think Pat says, you know, we started games quite slow this season. Um, then we come into them. Um, so that's probably a good barometer of the sort of success that he's getting out of his players by the words that he's using, um, by the tactics he's using. Uh, motivationally too
0: I'm interested in what bringing this back around to c- kind of the Leicester game and the, the recent fixtures were more so Leicester I'm interested to know what you think of the performance of a uh, Matty Cash he's obviously nominated for the fans football of the year award so he's one of Villa's nominees for that that club player of the year award what do you think how, how well he did again there was some criticism there was a lot of positivity he seems to be a player very people are excited about but one that still has you know, an edge about him. I think it refers to his crossing, maybe, mm. um, and the lack of impact from that. I think he seems to absolutely just yeah. smack it. Yeah. He, just he, it, it, yeah. <laughs> he
1: needs to have a bit of love for the football, uh, yeah. I think, is is the general gist. But what have you made of him, especially last game? In the opening moments that first game, like I said, Harvey Barnes having a bit of joy down that mm. uh, left wing, wasn't he? And, Mate, cash. There was a few times he might have dived in a bit, and you were going, "Oh, thank God he's got a touch on the ball there." And I think there was one where he might have clipped the ankles of I can't remember which player it was, and they didn't go down or they went down. It just wasn't given. But other than that, I feel like he really dug in in the performance. Like maybe it was a ropey first half. But other than that, I think he recorded ten successful tackles, which is more than any other Premier League player in a game this season, which is just amazing. Like I think players like average three. And then what else did he get here? It was three clearances, one off the line, one block shot, five interceptions, nine duels won out of the uh, 11. So it's just a monster game defensively for him. But yeah, as you said, the, the one improvement i probably get, uh, mate, for him is a bit of composure when he's running onto those balls. Like he, he takes it on the run, he's running at pace and he probably just gets a bit overexcited, to be honest, and just absolutely leathers it past everyone. If he can just you know take the time to look up, maybe try and pick Watkins out or just put in an area across the face of goal or something, then that's probably the last piece to his game because he's got the ability driving forward, he's got the ability defensively, the positioning, he can defend uh, crosses, all that. It's just, it's just pr- that production in the final third, which we have seen at times, to be honest, when he was playing that wing-back role. You know, obviously, he got his goal, got an assist in the Carabao Cup, so he can cross the ball. It was a perfect cross for Cameron Archer, I'm pretty sure. I was just behind it flowed it in beautifully, but yeah, so the, the potential's there, it's just consistency for him, I think.
0: Especially with how important these fallbacks seem to to Gerard's system. Um, another part of Gerard's system, actually, John, is it looks like there's been a lack of uh, the out-and-out wingers that we saw under Dean Smith um, and you know in, in the first stages of Gerrard's reign it looks like they went for almost two number 10s in a, in Wendy and Ramsey speaks to me a bit about that because it looks you know even it, this change in the Man City game as well it looks like at, just after halftime there was a change to kind of be a bit more narrow and to be a bit more compact. what have you noticed about mm-hmm. that
2: yeah I think it's something that obviously is brought from Rangers um, the wingers give the width sorry the wing backs give the width or the fullbacks um um, and then your wide attackers are almost inside forwards, which I think works really well, to be fair, especially for someone like a Buendier, Um in the pre-match press conference. Gerrard um, picked Buendia out as a good example to kind of use to explain that role and just said it's not necessarily about them being the narrow forwards. It's about them linking the play and kind of being given that um, the comfort to sort of not necessarily do what they want, but when they've got the ball, be expressive, be um, be. The talent that you can be really on the ball, and that's exactly what you need from someone like a Buendier And he's, I think, he particular has come into come into his own in the last uh, few weeks. Um, I think after each game, you, you sort of saying to yourself, "Oh, that's probably the best that Buendir's played," um, which speaks volumes about how he's adapting to um, Gerard's system. Uh, but no, it's it's certainly a positive thing, I think, because you then. You'd have thought maybe yeah, Danny Ings when he comes back from injury or when he's fully fit um, would probably come back into the, into the team. It's important. And then you've got Nolik Watkins' left side, who's like an inside forward again. So in my head, it all works really well. Um, and before Gerard Tachovic, you could probably say on paper, this this should work. But, um, you know, there's sort of proofs in the pudding and it's um, it's coming off at the moment. And he wants that dynamic, you know, that flexible front three. Um, and that the formation that we're playing certainly lends itself to that. Um, and then you've got the midfielders behind it as well, linking too. So, no, I, th- I think it's really encouraging. And the Leicester game for me was probably um, the best that we've done that system, if that makes sense, going forward. Because you've got um, even like a Douglas Luiz linking with um, right. the left-sided players. And then on the right side, you've got McGinn. And, you know, yeah, it, it, it all worked really well against Leicester. I think that's definitely the best that we've done. Um, you know, the combinations that Gerard wants to see. Um, every week
0: there's a lot of players i want to speak about i've been kind of floating through my mind i think you could you know Conza, again ashley younger martinez what, what a brilliant save he uh he pulled off out of nowhere in a in a really kind of dicey moment for villa but once you go into one of those advanced midfielders john uh jacob ramsey poor poor jacob ramsey sco- scored a wonder goal in a dead game and got his uh first goal at villapoc unfairly i'll say unfairly stricken off what yeah. have you made of his role? Because he has come a long way since the player he was kind of featuring in Bits and Starts that season. Yeah. He he looks, you know, I say uh, it's a cliche, but first name on the team sheet, he's like, he's, he's up there. He, he does a role. He, he serves Villa really, really well. What have you made of his ascent?
2: I think if you give it one word, he's just matured, perhaps. Um, yeah. Not that sounds a bit negative, really. He wasn't mature last season, and he clearly was. But I think when you, when you look at last season, he's playing away against Wolves, away against Leeds, um, and we're winning the game 1-0 and you've got a, a back then it would have been 19 year old um, in the middle of the park you you can't look at that and say oh he's not impacting the game or oh, he's not doing this and that he's clearly doing um, a really good job and to then bring that on to this season I think it was I always look back at that Newcastle game at the start of the season because that's the first time it's really played in front of that sort of 42,000 mm. full out uh, fully packed Villa Park and in the first couple of you know, the first half maybe or the first couple of minutes of the game, he was bou- the ball was bouncing off him a little bit and he was struggling to get into it. And again, that's not a criticism. He just needed that that adjustment, little little adjustment period to get into it. And that's, you know, obviously testament to Dean Smith that gave him that, um, uh, you know, the opportunity to do that since he came through the door, really. Um, so, no, Jacob Ramsey's come on leaps and bounds, but I don't think that's, don't think it's necessarily a shock to anyone, but just seeing it, you know, live in person that is not not necessarily controlling games... Um, but there's certainly a potential for him to do that, and he's, you know, absolutely part of Gerard's plans. And I'm sure going forward, he say, say say James will be one of the first team uh, names on that team sheet, um, and rightly so because what he does for the team is really important as well. He's not just being played cause he's a young player, and then people want to see a young player come through the ranks. Gerard will be ruthless with his team, and say we need this player for this game, and that suits Jacob Ramsey at the moment because he's thriving off that pressure to keep the shirt. Um, and I can only see him improving into Gerrard as well because, you know, you look at the whole midfield, what midfielder doesn't want to play under Stephen Gerrard? So, no, really um, really encouraging for Ramsey. And I'm sure he's really excited about, you know, the future of the club now,
0: for sure. One, one interesting thing to note is that in the last two games, that grad, academy graduate playing in that advanced role as... Is- almost came into the same position and uh spanned the chance so, so it, you know it, at some point he's going to go in and uh hopefully it's not like you know uh, you know one of the substitutes i put in hopefully it's that uh, that, uh those homegrown heroes i say homegrown heroes we, we, we took uh chuck Remicka from uh, northampton but uh hopefully it's uh, one of those young academy grads who can pull it in and uh, get their moment in the headlights because it's been a long time coming um Pat, I wanted to go on to another person. He's playing in field. No academy graduate, but someone who has bounced back this year. It's a wonderful, mar- marvellous Nakamba. Oh, <laughs> almost went marvellous, marvellous Nakamba. marvelous marvellous. Marvelous, marvelous. Can't be doing that. Um, but no, barely any starts last season. Really positive first year in the Premier League. Wasn't in the team last season much. This year, he's almost kind of, I think he's almost progressed past the amount of starts. He's having always closing in on it. So he's also made a pretty, pretty good impact. And it looks like, this shape, the mm. coaching, the, the how he's been drilled to play a bit more simpler game. It's working out, and he's actually. It he seems like he's doing a bit more than than he's been asked to. Now it seems like he's getting really, really comfortable in his role. Tell me a bit about Marvelous.
1: Well, he has been marvelous, hasn't he? I think. <laughs> uh, I think the only problem we've all we have ever had with Marvelous Camber is we all feel a bit on edge when he was on the ball, like he wasn't that comfortable. He couldn't really pass the ball with his right foot. He might, if he was closed down or or under pressure, he was probably quite susceptible for an error. I think it was the Tottenham game towards the end of the last season. He gave it to Bergwijn after he was pressed, and we went 1 0 down after a wonder goal straight after that. So that's always been the issue in the Canberra, I think. I think no one can ever question his his defensive capabilities in the team. He's he's the anchor, He, he can break a play perfectly. But since Gerard's come in, I think, OK, the, the stats for the Leicester game, 92.9% uh, pass accuracy with one key pass, one long ball completed, which is 100%, 100% dribbling success rate and won about eight duels. He's doing everything and more that Gerard can ask of him. And I think, I don't know if I'm speaking for the rest of the fan base, but personally, when, when I see him on the ball now, I'm completely confident that he's going to just either use it effectively or get out of a situation he's in. And I'm never quite I'm not as stressed when he's on the ball, to be honest. But so me and my cousin were talking and we're watching, we're like, what has actually happened <laughs> to to here? Cause it's it's quite it's outstanding. He's playing so well under Gerard, it's ridiculous. Like breaking up play, dribbling into space. He's composed on the ball. He's getting he's also progressing the ball a bit more than he usually did. yeah, it's great to see, to be honest. He's he's, he's man-banging form and long may it continue. You know, no disrespect to the Canberra, but I feel like
0: under Gerrard and Beal, it looks like his game has been planned out a bit more rather than relying mainly on the instinct that got players like, you know, your Grealish and uh, your Douglas Lewis and the John McGinn's through. It looks like he has been taken aside and drilled on a certain few passes mm. to make. And he's, ap- you know, he's absolutely excelling. Uh, Ian Leach, you said you didn't speak on behalf of the fan base. Ian Leach, whose comment was brought up a few moments ago, said Nakamba has been outstanding. So, you know, he was, I think he was, he wasn't up for the Player of the match and people kicked off about that. He was yeah. the Villa's, Villas player of the month, though, which I think, you know, it speaks credit to him because he's someone, you know villa probably do need a central midfielder but do the concerns about that strength that metal in the middle i feel has been met in a few key games and you, you don't know because it's only a small sample size john but
2: the really kicking on well in general it's we know that's a really important component of the gerard team um at range as he had that sitting player that would allow the two midfielders either side of them to go on the wing backs go on so you need that protection um but it's not just protection when we're going forward. It's protection when we are defending as well. And the Canberra's, you know, if you say excelled, he, he hasn't really put a foot wrong yet, which, you know, we're not trying to jinx him, but you need to give the guy a credit when he deserves it. And yeah. he's been here for a few years now. And um, I think, again, I think it passes at the start. Sometimes you're giving the ball and you'd be a bit, um, you'd be a bit flustered or he'd give it away a bit sloppily. Um, but, you know, he hasn't done that yet. So we need to, um, we can't be sort of almost anticipating an error, should we say. The guy's earning the shirt, and he's he's not going to lose it, even if we sign a, you know, a twenty twenty million pound midfielder um, to cover that position as well to add competition. The not losing that shirt, and that might be, you know, the best thing for him as well. If if, if we would sign another midfielder, which I presume that we will do, because we are quite lightly stocked in that area, is a, is a number six of the, the sort of player that the Canberra is. Um, it might be something that pushes pushes him on again. Um but no really, really good start from the camera, especially under Gerrard. Um he showed glimpses under Smith for the last few years, but once he's now been given a really, you know, extended run in the team. Um so to be a player of the month in a team that has won three out of four games, um, that's, you know, got the likes of a John McGinn playing out of his skin, Ollie Watkins, you know, he's not the only player that's playing well, but to be the player that shines in that system, um, you know, full credit to him he's played against your, you know, your Ndidi,
0: your Rodri, uh mm-hmm. don't think he played Chiate Chiarte, Rasuma playing for Brighton. So all those yeah, yeah. all those strong kind of prototype defensive midfielders that you look at, those central midfielders, Nakamba has stood alongside them very, very well. And in a game, this is the final word unless we're in a game where Watkins had impact, Ramsey had impact, Esri called twice, Wendy Rose up, you know there was plenty, uh, plenty on show there from from Villa's players. Even you know you you, you Maticash is your Martinez saving uh, Mashling, Everyone was involved to some extent or had some impact. For your defensive midfielder to be voted the man of the match to have the plaudits speaks incredibly well. For him, and he'll have an important role as we re- return to while well, Stevie G returns to uh, his uh, proving grounds in Anfield. Uh, big return, lots been made of it uh Gerard is very very calm and collected uh, but it looks like another big game for the Canberra. It looks like a game where Villa will be the underdogs. Looks like a game where win, drizzle or law. Win lose or draw. We can we should be impressed with, with what Villa can pull out based on that City game. This is another acid test, you know, a free hit for Aston Villa to to show what they're all about away from home as well.
1: Wolves showed on the weekend that you can frustrate Liverpool if you with a solid defensive unit, I think. We're <clears throat> ready for the challenge, I think. think we're going to go there compact, followed up for it and be able to hit them on the counter. I think it's a different challenge to the Man City game. Obviously, I think Liverpool play a bit faster and don't have much as, as much possession as City might. And I think they, they're quite similar to us in, in the fact that they play quite fast when they do break with Salamane and Jota or Firmino and whatnot. But yeah, i have full faith in the defence to remain solid. I think uh, it'll, Stevie G will be uh, fully prepared for it. And uh, yeah, I'm ready for it, excited. Really
0: looking forward to this, uh, this Liverpool game because again, it's like the Man City game, terrified before, left really, really happy with how Villa applied themselves. So hoping for that again, because it's been a long time where you can go to a, you know watch a Villa match. They get well beaten, but you're left proud with what your team's is putting rather than being stunned at their lack of any um, impact on the game? Just a final word on uh, looking forward to Villa versus Liverpool, John. We know it's going
2: to be a tricky game, um, but it's one that we can go into with full confidence. Um, you know, don't get me wrong; we could lose the game two or three nil, but you can still pull up a good performance like we did against Chelsea and the Smith. You know, a couple of uh, months ago now, wasn't it? Um, you know, there's ways of losing, and I'm sure that we won't lose without trying. Um, and I think that's all we can do. Really, we know they're a tough team. We'll go there and like. As you say, like Brighton did, um, try and take the game to them, play our way. Gerard I want to try and impress. Uh, Knocks Liverpool just because of um, where's the Villa manager now, isn't he? And he wants to keep up that. Um, that's the, the start that he's had. You know, I keep trying to say it's an unbeaten start, but obviously you lose to Man City. But it feels like we're, we're almost... Not necessarily unbeatable at the moment, but nothing is going to phase us. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, and obviously, Liverpool will have will be strong favourites for the game. Uh, they've got top top players. We all know that They'll, they could probably go top of the league if they beat us. Um, and they don't need any added motivation to try and get one over on Gerard as well. But you know, I say we'll be going there with full confidence. And yeah, that um, we'll be in no better position to go to Anfield in the in the you know. Since, since God knows when to try and get a result from, from
0: Liverpool so no, uh, really looking forward to it Wicked well there you have it Villa can be beaten then I guess John but they can't be broken like they have been more than a few times in the past we'll <laughs> leave it there you know where to find us at and Blue. get us on Spotify get us on YouTube I think we'll have another Football Manager stream on Thursday we'll leave it there and we'll look forward to uh, bringing you coverage of Ataville hopefully performing really well against uh, Liverpool on the weekend in a big match uh, with a big narrative